Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on when you are listening to this. I'm just glad you are. Welcome to the Cannabis 101 Podcast, episode 20. Remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. And uh, we're going to try and do that on uh, today's show. Uh, We're going to try and uh, educate and entertain you about the wonderful plant that is cannabis. But before we do that, we got to get our groove on. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. I don't have a pipe, but I do have um, a hexagon bong from Burnt in my hands. And I'm going to throw a little Chemdog 4 in there. That's what I'm grooving with. But I want to know what you are grooving with. If you're listening to this and you've got a nice blunt or joint rolled up maybe you have your favorite pipe full or maybe you just ate an edible let me know what you're going with what strain are you using to get your groove on as mentioned i'm going with a little chem dog four a friend of mine uh, gave me this the other day and uh, it is really delicious it you know it works for me because uh, right off the bat it has caryophyllene in it I, i love that terpene uh, limonene gives it a little bit of a citrus, but I love that spice. So pardon me, I'm going to get my groove on. All right, now we are ready to rock. On today's show, the day before the one-year anniversary of legalization. We're going to welcome Greg Trena from Velvet Management to the program. What has he thought about the first year of legalization and what is it like being in the management uh, industry, uh, taking care of LPs and different customers, uh, marketing in a uh, world that has such strict regulations. Uh, so looking forward to chatting with Greg about that and also a look ahead to season two, uh, which should come out in December or January. Also, we're going to bring you a conversation with Brad Ward from Meat and Green. There is a free Nightmare on Elm Street showing on October 28th at the Landmark Theaters City City Center Edmonton, and it's free. All you got to do is get your tickets at your local Spirit Leaf, and we'll tell you when those are going uh, to be available in that conversation with Brad. What's that strain tonight? The dude would be very, very happy. You mind if I do it, Jay? Anytime, dude. Uh, We're doing White Russian tonight by Boaz, and that's courtesy, of course, uh, our educator, Chris Ionson. So uh, I picked up some uh, White Russian from Boaz, a, a local Alberta company. Pretty cool story uh, with Boaz. So Chris Ionson, our educator, will bring you that strain information a little bit later. We don't have David Wiley this week uh, from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. He'll join us again next week. But I will uh, run through a few stories. Um, 
legalization of uh, one year is coming up. And so there's some interesting facts and figures with that. Uh, We are continuing with the Cannabis Character Cup. You can find that on our Twitter account at the Cannabis 101. Now we put a uh, matchup up there each week. You can vote and we're trying to find out uh, who is the greatest cannabis character of all time. Started with 65. We're down to the third round now. And the matchup right now is following a big upset. Last week's matchup, a top 10 seed went down. Down goes Ben Stone. Down goes Ben Stone. As Ben Stone from Knocked Up lost to Kumar Patel uh, from Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Big shocker, a 26 seed taken out a number 10. So Ben Stone is done. Sorry, Seth. You, you know, there's an easy way to win this contest. Retweet it if you're Seth Rogen. That's how Steve Lemmy won in uh, the earlier rounds. That's how Topher Grace took out David Waterson. You retweet it and get your fans involved. Uh, that didn't happen with Seth Rogen, and he is now out of the tournament. I'm sure he's really crushed. Um, but anyway, we're going to pay tribute to Ben Stone in our cannabis character a little bit later on in the program. Right now, uh, you can vote. This is an interesting matchup. Uh, the number three seed. In the tournament. The dude. Is taking on. Silent Bob. Uh, Of course from Jay. And Silent Bob. So uh, you can. uh, Vote on that. By just simply going to. The Cannabis 101. And uh, rightfully so. No offense to Kevin Smith. Who is an awesome dude. But. The dude should win this running away. He's a top three seed. He should be at least going to the final four, in my opinion. He's winning right now 80% to uh, 20%. Uh, So Kumar took out Ben Stone 70% to 30%. That is a big victory uh, for uh, Kumar Patel. So you can vote right now at the Cannabis 101. The dude versus Silent Bob in our Cannabis Character Cup. Uh, By the way, We have our 420 followers contest going as well. Uh, We are just over 100 followers from 420. So what happens when we get there is everybody that's following us will be eligible for a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Uh, More news on a prize pack this week in just a second. But uh, check us out at the Cannabis 101. Tell your friends if they're following when we get to 420, they're in for the prize pack. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, Cannabis 101 Podcast. We do product reviews. We have giveaways going to be putting some really cool um, videos up there that uh, you can light one up and enjoy. They're just amazing. My good friend, Dr. Wang, uh, put those together. So uh, more news on that at the Cannabis 101 podcast YouTube channel. And I want to ask you, what's your strain? Uh, later on, we're going to do what's that strain with Chris Ionson. But if you want to win a $100 shopping spree, courtesy of me at the Cannabis 101 podcast, then you should be emailing me with what's your favorite strain. What strain do you want us to review on what's that strain? So here's how it works. You throw out a strain. If you're chosen, you will get a $100 shopping spree with Chris Ionson as your personal shopper. 
and I'm paying for that. I'm putting up the $100 for that. And we might be able to find a few other things to throw in there that we've collected as well. You also, if you want to, get to come in studio, sit in with us, ask questions about your strain to Chris Ionson, our educator on what's that strain. So all you do, email me, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. That's cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Tell me what strain you would like us to review. And if you're chosen, everything is yours. And speaking of gifts, because I love giving things away. L-I-V-I-N. We are going with a early anniversary present tonight. All right, all right, all right. So what we have up for grabs, and you can check it out on my Twitter account, at the Cannabis 101 you can see a picture of it. We are giving away a Grav Arc Beaker Water Bong. It's up for grabs, and it's simple. I'm going to throw out a question in just a little bit. You email the answer to that question, you're in the mix. So it's an early anniversary present as legalization is tomorrow. One year of legalization tomorrow, of, of when I'm recording this. Uh, and uh, putting this podcast out, um, man, it's been a it's been a blur. We'll talk with Chris Ianton a little bit about the uh, looking back on one year of legalization later on with uh, what's that strain. So if you want to grab Arc Beaker Water Bong, stay tuned. I will be throwing out a question in just a little bit. All right, let's get going with the show. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, the cannabis question tonight is how will you celebrate the first anniversary of legalization? October 17th. 2018, our country legalized cannabis. How will you celebrate that tomorrow? For me, I am, uh, I'm going to try and hit up uh, as many different um, retail outlets as I can and see what they have because I know they're going to have some specials on. You can't have um, the the first year of legalization anniversary and not have specials. There's going to be sales galore. So I'm going to hit as many as I can. I expect them to be busy. So I'm, that's how I'm going to celebrate it. Um, I might smoke a joint. I'm not really sure. Um, as Cheech and Chong said, a day without dope is like night. So uh, I might have to have a joint um, or something out of my uh, Zeus uh, GT Arc. Uh, Arc GT, rather. So I might have to really sell it. But I am going to hit up a few shops. Uh, check out some of the specials that they have going and um, really enjoy um, chatting with people about the first year of legalization. So that's the cannabis question. Would love to hear from you on Twitter at the cannabis 101. You can get me on Instagram at the cannabis 101 podcast on Facebook at cannabis 101 podcast. You can email me cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com. And you can check out the website for past episodes and our contest page 
Um, you can actually enter a contest for the Cannabis Character Cup. Uh, if you can predict the winner, uh, you are in the mix. Now, there's a lot of people already ahead of you. Um, but anyway, if you get in the mix, uh, you could still win. You can still get in the mix and win. So that's at the Cannabis or www.cannabis101podcast.ca. Uh, so that's our cannabis question. How will you celebrate the first anniversary of legalization? And now time for what goes well with, and that's basically anything that pairs well with cannabis. And, and I'm going with uh, watching horror movies because that's all I do in October. I don't watch a whole lot of horror movies the rest of the year, but once October rolls around, I'm watching at least one a night, sometimes two, sometimes three. The other night I watched the first three, ep- uh, first three series movies of Friday the 13th, one, two, three. The third one, by the way, is where the mask comes in. That's when it starts to get really, really cool. But for me, cannabis and horror movies. And that's why a meet and green event on October 28th is going to be so, so cool. Uh, we'll bring you that conversation uh, with Brad Ward in uh, just a uh, little bit here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. But horror movies and cannabis, uh, you might not think they go together, but they do for me. And uh, that is. What goes well with anything that pairs well with cannabis? You tell me, what do you pair well with cannabis? What is something you like to do uh, while consuming cannabis? For me, right now, October, it's uh, watching horror movies. All right, just before we get to our uh, first guest of the show, Greg Tenera from Velvet Management, Inc., I just want to tell you about Legendary Barbershop, 117th and Jasper Avenue. Uh, make sure you ask for Morgan. She's my niece. She does a great job, and they are uh, 420 friends. Um, you can't smoke in there, uh, but they love chatting cannabis. So if you're a fan of cannabis, uh, you can check out some flyers that we have there about our show and uh, get your ears lowered at the same time. When we come back, Greg Trena the Director of Ontario Sales for Velvet Management, Inc. Cameron used to sing a lot, but he stopped when his dad yelled, Shut up! Hey there, thanks for listening. If you're looking for more great stuff for your ears, check out Podcast Alley at www.deanmillard.ca where you can find more entertaining podcasts and contests. Now let's get back to the show. I am very pleased to welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, the Director of Ontario Sales with Velvet Management, Inc., uh, Greg Trena. Greg, thanks very much for joining me. How are you today? I am excellent. It's uh, a little cool here in Toronto, but uh, can't complain. I'm a ginger, very pale, so I appreciate the sweater weather. <laughs> and yeah, I'm really happy to be here with you today. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, my show um, is all about exploring the different types of, uh, I guess, industries within the cannabis industry, because as you would know, uh, there are many, many different kinds. And, um, you know, a, a management company is uh, one of those. And that's what you guys are with uh, Velvet Management. Maybe just give uh, my listeners a little bit of a background, uh, some history on, on Velvet Management and kind of how it became. 
yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think with legalization, um, just the impact on our economy is it's pretty fantastic, and it unlocks a lot of opportunities. So with Velvet, Velvet Management, we're, uh, our parent company is Dandaran Wine and Spirits, and that's a family-owned, Montreal-based uh, sales and marketing organization. And they recently celebrated their 50-year anniversary, which is super cool. Uh, Dandaran, is, they're pretty significant in the Canadian wine space. And they're the largest import wine agency in the country. And they'll have some celebrated brands that you're probably familiar with, such as Santa Margarita, Yellowtail, and Trapeze. So the DNA of Velvet Management, Inc., comes from Dandaran. With legalization of cannabis, there we had some you know inherent expertise uh, on the Dandaran side of selling and marketing controlled substances for adult use. And so when we looked at stepping into this green space, uh, no, no intended, it was a no-brainer. Velvet hmm. uh, was started in November 2018, so we're almost coming up to a year, which is nuts. We're going to celebrate our first birthday here. Uh, we position ourselves as candidates for the premier one-stop sales and marketing agency. So we support licensed producers, extractors, and processors, as well as brand owners um, in terms of building and executing their route to market in the Canadian cannabis rec space. Uh, we intend to be recognized by our suppliers, our customers, and the industry at large as the best agency focused on excellence in strategic thinking, planning, execution, and innovation. Awesome. Uh, so uh, a lot of... Uh a lot of expertise behind this, um, you know, albeit in a, uh, maybe a, a different type of, um, of, of, uh, consumption for the, uh, the customer, but uh, some of the same ideas. Uh, so what are some of the services, uh, that you guys do provide or what are the, some of the things, the key things that you guys do for your clients? Gosh, what don't we do? <laughs> um, in terms of services, uh, on, on the, what we do, we'll offer support in strategic planning, um, so setting up that year, what it's going to look like. Um, we provide that national sales coverage and leadership. Uh, we'll do key account management, so that's really critical both at the uh, provincial kind of wholesale gatekeeper level as well as with those regional chains um, that have uh, you know centralized buying teams. And also very critical and probably most important is also that in-store execution. So having the relationships and presence uh, in the field with stores uh, so that the brands can really shine. Uh, we also provide business intelligence uh, via our in-field surveillance and partnerships with research firms and or data aggregators. And finally, we have a strong marketing team. And they partner with the brand teams of our suppliers. And they guide consumer marketing and trade marketing so that our brands develop the awareness and visibility that are really required to succeed. It's interesting, um, and you know, from certainly from uh, my end, um, you know, the regulations are very strict on, um, you know, who can advertise, what can be advertised, and so it, it certainly makes it uh, difficult to attract advertisers when they can't. Um, what is it like marketing cannabis within these strict regulations that you know may or may not uh, relax at some point, but right now they're not. So it, I, I think the word creative has to come up a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd say that's, that's definitely an understatement. Uh, it's amazing how many brainstorming sessions you can have um, where you kind of sometimes feel like you're hitting a dead end. Um, so yeah, I would have to say it's definitely not easy. Um, in terms of what it's like, um, you know, I want to I recall some experience that I had earlier in the spring. 
Um, there was a there was an event that really focused on female leadership in the cannabis space um, and specifically marketing expertise, given it is you know so intensely regulated. Um, and that room was literally filled to the brim with marketers who were basically all salivating for that secret recipe for success in this highly regulated space. So some of the tips that I got from attending, and I, I wouldn't say that this would apply for everyone, um, for any sales and marketing professional, you have to read the Cannabis Act, of that Bill C-45. And it's probably not something you're going to do twice. You're probably going to have to do it twice. And, you know, they were, they were even saying, Try and hit it up 10 times. Hmm. Um, it's, it's not light reading. It's, uh, it's really dry, a lot of legalese, and you know, all, all that kind of language that I'm not used to. Uh, but it's important. You really have to understand that core. And then you need to have a legal team um, or legal expertise that you can draw upon. And so that way, like when you, as a marketer, you have an idea, then you can figure out how that falls within the rest and have a collaborative discussion with that legal counsel to identify is there a gray area are you willing and are prepared to take a risk? Um, I think it's critical in terms of, you know, we have to create awareness for brands um, in terms of communicating fundamental values to your target customer um, in terms of bringing the brand to life. I mean, that's still something that we, we have to find ways to do. And with all those limitations, it's really critical to understand what matters most to your customers and then look at what's available to you to how to unlock that connection and then push for that deeper meaning with your brand. Um, it, it, it's, one thing I, I got out, um, I think, through, through understanding that there is so much uh, kind of intense limitations, or, or not maybe limitations, but because of the regulations, you can't just um, you can't take your brand architecture, I think, for granted. And so, what you communicate, I think, it really has to be layered into how that organization operates. Uh, you know, whether it's from the grow room, supply chain, your packaging, to to how you go to market, and I think more than ever, it's actually really easy for our customers to know more and more and more about the products that they're buying by, you know, going through educated websites and communities like on Reddit and things like that. So you really have to live those brand values. Uh, so I think if anything, it makes the brand so much stronger in that sense. Yeah, you, you, you can't just, uh, you know, pay for and produce a 30-second commercial to run in the Super Bowl or, or a magazine ad. Um, is that where... Uh, and I was going to say social media comes into play, but there's, you know, there's even some, um, you know, some companies that have uh, run into problems promoting on certain social media um, platforms, I guess. Um, it, it, does it really, is it almost like, uh, like that, that, that telephone game when you were as a kid, that word of mouth that you try to push as much people to, to go to the websites that are age gated where you can, um, you know, Pro, uh, promote your product at your own website is is that kind of how it's done um or are there are there other different avenues that you guys have experienced with i'd say that the most effective channel right now is the front line of cannabis retail uh because that is where you have consumers i would say for the most part almost guaranteed to make a transaction and they want to they want to learn and they want to uh, have a conversation with someone who's also passionate about the product. So by being able to connect with, you know, depending on what the, the known kind of culture is for the, the chain, whether it's a butt tender or um, a product advisor, that there's trainings about the brand to those frontline teams because they're influencing the transactions. So as a, as a marketer, that's really critical because if you're top of mind with them, you become top of mind with the consumer. 
No, that's a really good point. And, uh, and that's where creating relationships and, uh, you know, uh, providing the information comes in uh, so handy. Um, let's talk about some of um, um, the people that you work with. Uh, you know, who are some of the people that you would like to highlight uh, some of the uh, the clients and the partnerships that you guys and have some of the LPs? Uh, uh, who would you like to spotlight? Um, if I had to spotlight one today, um, it would be the Green Organic Dutchman. Um, so our portfolio for Velvet, our goal is to have a concise and effective kind of stable of brands that will target unique segments within the Rex cannabis ecosystem. Uh, and we wish our brands and the people strive to achieve a leadership position in their distinct categories. So with the Green Organic Dutchman, or T-God uh, for short, um, they're one of those LPs that have really successfully pushed and achieved, I think, deeper meaning for their brand architecture. Um, and their entire organization lives that brand promise of making life better. Uh, some points of difference for T-God today uh, will include, well, they're the largest producer of certified organic cannabis grown in living soil in the country. And they're the only producer where 100% of their products will be certified organic. Their potential output is over 200,000 kilograms annually across two facilities in Canada. And that makes them one of the largest LPs in Canada. So I'm really proud that they'll be bringing organic product um, to upscale to Canadians. Uh, as they have certified organic products, they're not using synthetic fertilizers. Uh, there's no pesticides and no irradiation in terms of finishing. And with the packaging, this has been something that's really resonated with consumers as well as our retail uh, partners is that there's an intense focus by TGA to be as sustainable as possible and to reduce or eliminate the use of plastics, leveraging glass or tin and or recycled paper. Uh, their glass jar, which uh, they use for a flower program, is literally stunning. And it's just this gorgeous, uh, you know, slightly opaque green glass with an angular cut to the jar. And it just screams like, reuse me. Uh, finally, TGOD makes commitments back to their community where they operate. Uh, at their Ancaster facility, which uh, if you're not sure where Ancaster is, it's part of the greater Hamilton area, so just uh, just a bit southwest of Toronto, uh, TGOT has a community farm on site, and they're growing fruits and they're growing vegetables and even livestock, and everything is directly donated to Hamilton Food Share Program hmm. with over 6,000 pounds of food donated year-to-date. Wow. So a company that's doing this, even before really, like, the revenues are coming in in pre-sale. It, that's just fantastic. Um, and again, when we talked about like living and breathing the brand, it's just an example of how they do that. Uh, that is uh, amazing. Uh, not only uh, producing uh, organic cannabis, but also giving back to the uh, the community in in you know ways that uh, you know may be a little bit of extra work, but they have the setup there and they're willing to do it. And um, that is just. Uh, you know, that's a company that's looking at more than the bottom line, aren't they? A hundred percent. They understand what it means to be a good corporate citizen and they they live and breathe it. Oh, that's good stuff. So aside from a lot of heavy reading, um, as you mentioned before, what would be some <laughs> advice uh, for somebody looking to get into the uh, cannabis industry, whether they're, you know, I, I'm not sure there's lots of different things, but, um, you know, what's the number one, would it, would it be, you know, doing a lot of reading and, and research or what would, you, how would you advise somebody that says, I'm looking at getting into this industry? Yeah, definitely. You know, in addition to reading, because there are, there's some amazing books out there. Um, about about product or about the history, about um, about even you know marketing and, and legislation. There's there's things like that now. But 
if I were to say what you need to do, you need to get out there, uh, go to events, go to stores, uh, talk to people. There are so, and you had said this at the beginning, there's so many opportunities in the cannabis space. So obviously there are jobs with those producers and brand owners, but there's also this massive sector history of people who support cannabis. So whether you're a point of sale producer, uh, software producer, data aggregator, uh, you're a marketing or creative agency that wants to like onboard a cannabis LP to your portfolio. Uh, there's retailers and with that there's so many different kinds of jobs within that retail ecosystem. There's distribution companies, uh, you could work for a legal firm and have clients. Uh, and of course there's sales agencies like Velvet that will make magic out in the field. But there, there is. So I think, again, what you need to do, you need to get out, connect with people, have conversations, uh, go for coffee, and you know, leverage what it is that you're passionate about, because there's probably a way that you can apply that in cannabis. Yeah. And, and, you know, reaching out and talking to somebody that's already in the industry, that's, you know, before I got this podcast going, that's what I did. I, I you know, I reached out, I read, I, you know, it's, and it's, it's, listen, you know, I, I started uh, smoking cannabis when I was uh, in my teens and I thought you know over the years that well I really know a lot about cannabis until I decided to do a cannabis show and realized there is so much more to this plant than than meets the eye so um, I think research is the biggest thing talking to people uh, as you said um, there are there are big corporations in the cannabis industry and when legalization first happened I, I mostly I saw you know established uh, corporate stores um, you know the novas the spirit leaves the fire and flowers more and more now though I'm starting to see some smaller independent, stores pop up and then when you look at lps you know is there room for the independent guy in the cannabis industry or do you think this is going to be a corporate dominated um industry as far as lps i think that there is a place for everyone and you need i think a healthy industry has diversity um mm. across many assets many many ways to, to look at that and obviously like the structure and scale of uh, the producers is part of that. And in terms of looking at other industries of, of, as a signal of what we could expect, I think that the beer industry is a great example uh, where you do have um, very large uh, organizations, um, but you also have a thriving craft beer industry that is in fact kind of grown share uh, over time uh, across North America. So uh, I think, you know, the, the focus for, for the, the smaller LPs is to carve out those unique niches, play to a hyper-localized uh, uh, geography, and then and then grow from there. Uh, it's going to be easy. And it, it, so, yeah, I, I would say that. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for the small uh, micro-growers as well as, you know, kind of small to mid-sized growers uh, and or just brand owners, people who are small companies that leverage expertise in consumer marketing to establish brands and source products and, and get it to market that way. Yeah, I think that that's a great point that you make about the craft beer industry. And to me, that's kind of where cannabis is right now is that, you know, and, and if you look at the craft beer industry, it's not obviously at the level of, um, you know, the Budweiser's and the, the, um, the bats and, and whatever else you want to look at as far as that. Um, and because of that, everybody is kind of pulling the craft industry along together. And, and I find the same thing with cannabis. I always like to say, everybody's pulling on the same hemp rope right now to get the industry where mm -hmm. it needs to go. Um, and, and, and because of that, there's a lot of cooperation going on and 
Maybe at some point, Greg, that cooperation vanishes and it gets very cutthroat. But for right now, it seems like everybody is trying to a not make mistakes and embarrass the cannabis industry and get it to where it needs mm-hmm. to go together. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say that. Um, I would, I would agree a hundred percent. The vibe out there, whether big or small, um, it, it is a a passion I think for being part of something that's new. Um, and kind of holding hands together and being excited and celebrating not just your own successes, but the successes of the broader industry and your industry partners. So uh, it's a great it's a great time to be here. Um, I, like you said, you know, I hope it doesn't become a bit more cutthroat over time. Although it's you know who knows. Uh, but for now, I think that we can all focus on on being a community that uh, helps each other succeed and um, brings the industry up overall because of that. All right. There still is a stigma, unfortunately, when it comes to cannabis. Um, you know, some people still think of it as the stuff you buy in a brown paper bag in a back alley, um, while others have come around to realize how beneficial the plant can be. And 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 I and not just the, my slogan is it's not just about getting high; it's about getting healthy. There are so many great things about this plant other than THC. Um, but I guess. I, I like to ask all my guests, what do you think the best way to end the cannabis stigma is? You know, how do we do it? To be honest, I still struggle myself. I am totally terrified to take cannabis on a domestic flight. There is something going through airport security with bud. It just, I still can't make it happen in my head, but I'm working on it. Um, but to be transparent, I think it's it's a critical for people in the industry to to talk about cannabis use, how we use it, and why we use it. Um, I think we also, as an industry, need to be real about the history of cannabis prohibition in the first place. As, you know, and speaking from a North American perspective, where we are, um, so there was a lot of xenophobia and racialized oppression that was behind cannabis prohibition in the first place. It's very little to do with the product and its effects on a consumer. Um, there's actually a great book called Smoke Signals uh, by Martin A. Lee, and I think he does a fabulous job of doing the research and really kind of teasing out um, those narratives. So I would, I would encourage anyone in the industry um, or just you know, enthusiasts to, to check out that book. Um, but I think it's a little bit showing some facts that like, no one has ever died from consuming too much cannabis. Like ever, right? So the same can't be said for other recreational substances that are legal today and have um, less punitive, really, uh, you know, legislative and regulatory frameworks in terms of operations and marketing. Um, and let's leverage you. You hit on this, like let's leverage that existing research and let's all as an industry support future research on cannabinoids. You know, the human endocannabinoid system. You know, how and why the plant interacts with our body the way it does. Uh, and with legalization, the value of science is going to be just uh, exponential. And we'll be able to extract, you know, from this plant, um, what, what we're doing today is just the beginning. And it's, so that's really exciting to consider the possibilities in the future, um, leveraging science and research. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously the, you know, the number one immediate benefit is that we get to legally consume this plant in, in whatever form you want to, to take. Uh, number two, and I think what will end up being the bigger benefactor to legalization is, as you mentioned, all the research that's going to be done and uh, the help that we're going to have for people down the road. And it's interesting. You mentioned about uh, flying. I recently just flew to Vancouver. 
and I took six joints in some dube tubes with me, and I was walking through security, and you, exactly what you said, I felt strange, and they didn't even bat an eye. You know, in the past, there yeah. would have been a dog all over me. They didn't even mention it, didn't even bat an eye. So in that way, it is normalized, and and I think that's how my, my um, idea of ending the stigma is normalizing this and making it seem like, um, you know, somebody's going to have a glass of wine after dinner. It's no different than uh, putting a bowl in your pipe or having an edible or whatever. Normalize it. Talk to your kids about it. Explain to them. This is no different than alcohol. You should not use this until you are ready, but normalize it as much as possible in society. And listen, I'm not naive to think that in six months, everybody's going to be uh, packing bowls in the, in their pipes. But, um, at, at, as, as time goes on, um, we can't get frustrated. There are a lot of people that are frustrated out there and, and I don't blame them a little bit, but complaining and, and, and that is not going to get it done. It just, it just makes us look, makes the industry kind of look like children. So we have to be adults about this and accept the regulations for what they are right now and hope that they relax down the road. That, that's my philosophy on it anyway. Yeah, I would agree with you. All right. So first year almost of uh, legalization. And, and as mentioned, your first anniversary is coming up. So I know you guys are going to be excited about that. But what do you think of the first year of legalization um, overall as a whole? How do you think we've done? I know. Well, it is. It's our anniversary. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has been, it's been a really exciting year. Uh, I think federal legalization, like that has been huge for Canada and it's allowed our country to get this brilliant head start. And if you need to be maybe reminded uh, of what a benefit this has been, we just have to look south of that border where it's a still a state by state situation. And, you know, you talk to, you talk to people who are operating there and it really does impede their efficiencies. So that, that said, you know, in Canada, is it a perfect system? No. And by no means do, do I have all the answers. Um, but there are some things I wish we could have done differently and perhaps more harmonization between provinces in terms of the right to market and the infrastructure that supports that. Um, I, would have, I would have loved uh, for the federal government to have re-examined some of the packaging and marketing uh, regulations for something a bit more akin to alcohol. Mm-hmm. But uh, we can understand it, you know, it's small, um, small steps. So, you know, first of all, definitely, I think I think across the board, consumers and retailers and producers would agree there's generally an excess of packaging um, around cannabis products and feel that's a bit insane. Um, and also with greater flexibility for brands to communicate value to customers using more more traditional challenge, sorry, channels and tactics, which are more available to products in similar categories. Um, we'd love to see sales tax rules on medical products as well. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I, I agree with that, especially on the, uh, the medical side. You know, I had a chat with uh, Anne McClellan yeah. um, this summer, and uh, obviously she was the uh, chair of the task force that made recommendations for legalization. And I said to her, I said, you know, you guys are treating cannabis, you, the government, uh, cannabis, like al- uh, tobacco I- instead of alcohol. And, and she said, yes, um, you know, we did look at that. And she said, I wish alcohol would be treated like tobacco um, but the you know you're not putting the genie back in the bottle uh, with that situation. I th- I don't think so. Hopefully in mm. time, cannabis like you can watch the Super Bowl and see 50 Budweiser ads, but you don't see a cannabis ad right now. So hopefully that changes. Um, you know if you're going to treat um, cannabis like tobacco, then and then put alcohol, all three of them, away from kids and and don't 
don't let anything if, if we want to get really serious about it but that's a discussion for the government uh, uh down the road um and and speaking of down the road season two as uh, i've been calling it coming out in december just in time for people to uh, open up presents under the tree and get a pipe or a vaporizer or um, uh, some green organic dutchman um, what do you think season two is going to be like uh, when we we bring in the new ways to consume cannabis if anything, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, it, it just showcases the versatility of how consumers can choose to interact with cannabis because everyone's got their unique set of circumstances and needs. Um, 2.0 totally unlocks this amount of creativity for producers and brand owners, you know, from concentrates with all their gloriously potent forms, um, from vape pens to shelf stable beverages and edibles wellness and beauty products like it's it's, if you can imagine it it feels like you can put thc on it um (laughs) one of the biggest challenges i think with 2.0 is really going to fall on the shoulders of retailers so suddenly you've got you know this store and whether it's a corporate chain or an independent um that has to fire on many categories or make strategic choices in terms of what they're going to carry so how will retailers establish that environment that facilitates like a seamless transition from a customer browsing the pre-roll section to then buying a moisturizer. Mm -hmm. So in speaking with retailers, um, you know, I can tell they do have a lot of exciting plans to make that work in the store environment to, to manage that path to purchase. But, um, it's, I think there's going to be a ton of focus again on that frontline team to make sure that they're trained and prepared with the kind of sound bites and dialogue and, you know, thinking to guide customers, you know, through those journeys in the store. Cause I, I don't, aside from like a department store or a grocery store, I don't think, there's anything out there that's going to have this many diverse like options in a single retail format. You're right. Uh, it's going to be, um, it's it, the, the retailers are going to have to be doing a lot of homework to be uh, up to date on uh, everything, which is good because it means more product, more people. I, I use this example. Um, you know, I smoked cigarettes when I was uh, 15. Uh, thankfully I've quit now, but I never had a adverse reaction to smoking a joint or a pipe or something. But if you are a person out there that has never done, has never used cannabis and you've never smoked hmm. cigarettes, you might think smoking a joint is disgusting because you equate it to what you think a cigarette would be. So an edible, uh, a drink or something else is right up that person's alley and they can say, now I'd like to get into cannabis because even for some people, you know, I think vaping is a, a great option to smoking, but some people don't understand that, but they do understand eating or drinking. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's going to bring that client to the cannabis industry. You're right. Yeah, it definitely, it unlocks this, this kind of kind of curious segment um, and brings them in in a way that they feel is, um, they, they can make choices that are better for them. Yeah. 100%. All right. Uh, I always like to get the backstory of the people I'm talking to because obviously cannabis is less than a year old. So it's not like you've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> Greg, what did you do before the cannabis industry and, and how did you get into uh, into this industry? What drew you in? Well, you might have been able to tell from some of my uh, some of my comments, but I'm a, I have a retail background. So I've worked um, in fashion accessories. I have worked in uh, I worked in a convenience kind of store environment, uh, buying everything from uh, lottery to to uh, confectionery items to fuel injector cleaners, and then I moved to the LCBO, and I spent the last nine and a half years there. Um, working my way through the organization, 
in different roles from uh, an analyst to purchasing spirits and then purchasing wines and then taking a couple uh, different leadership positions, one overseeing um, an operations team that supported the fine wine channel of the LCBO and then moving over to uh, leading a category management team for the wine business. Um, yeah, so, you know, with, with cannabis, I had, knowing that it was coming, knowing, seeing that legalization, um, there was a lot of links between beverage, alcohol, and cannabis. And especially for my spirit days, there were so many brands that were invented um, or, or repurposed to harken back to the days of like prohibition ending and just the excitement and the kind of the, the passion of the producers at that time to bring products to market. And there's anyway, so given, given the kind of energy that, you know, the beverage alcohol industry would look back on, I couldn't not be part of something that would be real. And like today, but having that same kind of exciting entrepreneurial, um, you know, supportive uh, environment. So yeah, when, when cannabis became legal, I started to, you know, consider some options and um, wanted to also stretch my wings a little bit and do something a little bit beyond retail, but somewhat adjacent. And so moving from kind of a buying to a selling position, uh, it's been very natural. And I think they really complement each other well. Uh, so I guess that's kind of my background and how I got here. Awesome. It's a good story. There's many's out there, li- many out there uh, like that. And, uh, you know, if people would like more information, uh, they can check out velvetmanagement.com, uh, find out your services, get in touch with you uh, if they're uh, interested in um, get a, getting a little bit more help in uh, the, the cannabis industry. Greg, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Uh, enjoy the anniversary. It is just about upon <laughs> us. Uh, thanks so much, man. And uh, best of luck with Velvet. Thank you so much. Pleasure speaking with you, Dean. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. All right. This Week in Cannabis News uh, without David Wiley of uh, OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. We've given him the week off, so uh, you're stuck with me. Uh, But big thanks to uh, Greg Trena, the Director of Ontario Sales for Velvet Management, Inc. Um, Obviously, a Happy early anniversary to them and uh, some real interesting peek into uh, the different types of, uh, of of jobs and businesses that there are in the cannabis industry. That's the, the greatest thing about the, uh, the, the previous 19 episodes in this one. The 20 episodes we've done is uh, we keep exploring different types of uh, the industry. Uh, we've got some uh, really exciting things uh, coming up that I think you're going to really like as far as topics and guests. So great stuff from Greg and good insight into the cannabis industry. As for this week in uh, cannabis news, um, the first story we're going to go with is uh, be careful about how you answer questions at the border. Um, This is a story about Canadians. Now, they can't ask you or they cannot deny you at the border if you admit to smoking cannabis now since it's legal. But, you know, there was a 61-year-old man that admitted to smoking marijuana 18 years ago and received a lifetime ban from the United States. Like, that's just ridiculous, man. It's just silly. So if they ask you, you know what, I, 
I would, if they asked me, I, I don't know what I would say. I, I guess I would have to be really careful um, if I ever smoked marijuana before legalization. So just be very careful about uh, questions that you answer at the border. Um, there are lawyers, there are fees. Um, you know, this is a gentleman who has property, uh, vacation property in the States that he would like to use. Um, so just, just, uh, do a little research. If you are planning to go to the United States or travel through the United States, uh, if you have a layover somewhere or something like that, um, you got to be a little bit careful about uh, how you answer questions uh, from the border. All right, um, one thing you should be not doing is driving while high. And unfortunately, according to a story about Edmonton, cannabis-impaired driving is up 70% since legalization. Um, so in the first eight months, uh, police arrested 29 cannabis-impaired drivers, 12 more than the same period in 2018 now the police commission report says uh, uh the police commission says it doesn't necessarily mean more people are driving high the data was collected from 23 check stops uh, it also showed drug impaired driving up 36 percent and alcohol impaired driving is up 21 percent so now they did do more check stops in edmonton than they did in 2019 to compile the data and there are more officers being trained to test for cannabis impairment. It is more expensive to process uh, an impaired driver when it comes to cannabis compared to alcohol. Uh, you know, almost $100 more, or more than $100 more, or sorry, more than $400 more. So there are some questions about, uh, you know, should the police officers be on the front lines uh, worrying about, um, you know, really hard drugs compared to marijuana. Not that I'm saying that driving high is fine, I, but believe me, I'm not saying that at all. But um, there's more testing, so that means that that's why I think there is more numbers. Uh, overall, I think people in general have been uh, fairly responsible when it comes to cannabis. Skunk in the trunk, uh, those things are important. Chris uh, Einstein and I talked about that on a, uh, a previous episode. So um, it is important to know what you're doing and uh, make sure you're not doing anything illegal uh, speaking of uh illegal and legal um the cost of marijuana overall is going down but in the black market it's been like dropping steadily uh since canada canada legalized recreational pot a year ago tomorrow but since then the cost of legal legal weed rather has been going up until now so here's what it went. Uh, in the third quarter, the average legal cannabis price dropped to $10.23 per gram. That's down almost 4%. It was $10.65 in the second quarter and $10.21 in the first quarter. Now, in the fourth quarter, it's $9.75. So it's finally below $10, and it has a ways to go. You look at the black market, the price per gram was five ninety nine in the third quarter, or five fifty nine rather. Sorry, down from almost six dollars. It was six dollars and twenty two cents per gram in the first quarter, and now it's down to five fifty nine. So the the legal price can't drop as fast as the illegal price, and um, as you'll hear uh, uh, with uh, Chris Ionson as we talk about year one. 
the biggest competitor to any retailer, whether it be Fire and Flower, uh, whether it be Nova, whether it be Spirit Leaf, is the black market. They're competing against themselves, but they're also competing more in the black market. And until the price comes down, I just do not uh, see the black market. That, that's what you're, you know, you want to get rid of the black market, you have to, you have to bring the prices down. All right, let's get to a, a conversation I had with Brad Ward from Meat and Green about a free cannabis plus horror event. You'll hear that in just a few seconds. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Welcoming into the Cannabis 101 podcast, uh, once again, it's uh, Brad Ward from uh, Meat and Green, uh, a gentleman we spoke to a while back about a Meat and Green event uh, that I thought was uh, highly successful. And uh, Brad, uh, you're back at it again. I love the concept of combining cannabis and Halloween, as it uh, will be very close to Halloween when this event goes down, and horror movies. So tell me, a little bit and our listeners a little bit about what is going down on Monday, October 28th in Edmonton. Yeah. So on Monday, October 28th, we uh, are hosting a free horror movie night where we will be showing the original version of a nightmare on Elm street at landmark cinema in uh, city center at, at seven 30 doors open at six 30. We have uh, two, we have one LP, Seven Acres, participating and Spirit Leaf as well. And they're going to be giving out a lot of free stuff, free swag. Uh, there will be some prizes to be won as well. And uh, it's completely free to actually attend, which is fantastic. And that is the best part is that uh, it's a gathering, a get together to uh, celebrate uh, Halloween and uh, the the wonderful plant that is cannabis, and it is free. Um, and, you know, so people, obviously, uh, you know, we don't want uh, a thousand people showing up in a theater, so they have to get tickets somewhere. How do they get their hands on these free tickets uh, for the Nightmare on Elm Street showing Monday, October 28th? All they have to do is go to their local Spirit Leaf store and just <clears throat> simply ask for a ticket. There's no charge. Uh, it's not one of these things where if you buy something, you get a ticket. They will be uh, handing them out for me. That way, hundreds of people aren't showing up at my home. <laughs> and so they, you just go in say, hey, I want to get a ticket or two if you want to bring your spouse. And they will give it to you. And once they're gone, they're gone. So get in there early uh, as soon as possible because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be searching for these tickets. Uh, next this week when uh, they become available. All right, so that's a good point. When can people start uh, showing up to get these tickets at their local Spirit Leaf, and how many tickets are available? So there's about 270 tickets available uh, that are still available. Some have been reserved for people like you uh, and your guests 
because uh, Dean, you will be there. Um, some of the other vendors that we have there, uh, the Spirit Leaf team, head office, that sort of thing. Uh, so about 270 tickets, and they will be available on Friday of this week at all the Spirit Leaf locations. I just finished dropping off all the tickets today. So they have them. We just have to uh, run through uh, a few things this week on a conference call. And after that, they are free to start giving them away. All right. So that is Friday, October 18th. You can head into your uh, local Spirit Leaf when you're uh, picking up whatever it is you need for the weekend, maybe. And you can grab your tickets for uh, Monday, October 28th, uh, viewing of A Nightmare on Elm Street at Landmark uh, Theatres in the city centre of Edmonton, and it is completely free. Um, you mentioned that uh, there's going to be some uh, swag there. Um, I'm going to be there as well, as you mentioned, and um, we're going to be on location with this podcast. Uh, obviously, we're not going to be live, but I'm going to gather as uh, many interviews as I can, much like I did at the last meet-and-greet event uh, to put together for my podcast that week, the uh, Halloween edition. What better way than uh, uh, combining cannabis and Freddy Krueger? So I'm looking forward to that, and um, as always, looking forward to meeting different people uh, that have an interest in uh, in cannabis, which is kind of what Meet and Green is all about, isn't it? Yeah, it's you know, the the purpose of Meet and Green is to create social events for cannabis users to come together, meet each other and experience cannabis, you know? So the first event was a networking event and then we did a buds and board games, which was a board game night. And now we're going to movies. And so we're just trying to do different activities and find out which one's right for us to build on. So uh, I'm hoping the movie one really takes off. It would be great to have a different movie play every few weeks, but, uh, it, you know, we'll see how uh, everything goes on the 28th. Now, we, we I should clarify, I, I'd imagine there's not going to be, you're not going to be smoking or consuming cannabis uh, in the theater. That's all has to be done ahead of time. I, I always just like to make sure uh, people are aware uh, going to cannabis events about what kind of the, the, the restrictions might be. And, and like most places, uh, you're not going to be able to smoke and consume inside. Yeah, so Landmark has made it clear if we are caught smoking in the theater, we will be asked to leave and not invited back. So uh, I will be making that very known the night of. But uh, yeah, w- there's no smoking in the theater. You'll have to go out to the parking garage or down to the street to do that. Yeah, no vaping, no smoking, uh, uh, nothing like that. So uh, that just to, I just want to make sure people know that ahead of the time uh, because this is a great event. Are you are you a horror movie fan? I, I, I spend almost every night in October watching at least one horror movie. I just absolutely love it. I don't really watch them the rest of the year. I just really get into Halloween. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I do love horror movies. Uh, it depends on the type of horror movies. I don't like anything with too much violence. Like the old slasher movies from the eighties are fine, but, uh, you know, if it's a movie like, you know, those torture porn movies like hostile aren't my, uh, aren't, aren't very interesting to me and they're just too violent, but you know, movies like hereditary or the witch that came out in the last few years that were just phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I definitely enjoy them. How did you settle? on A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original? Oh, good question. Uh, So the original idea was to do The Shining uh, because Dr. Sleep is coming out on November 8th. So I was like, this is brilliant. It's going to 
get so much attention is because Dr. Sleep's coming out as the sequel after all these years. So after finding a theater, um, I they approached the studio to see if we could get the license for it, and the studio said no because it's in the vault, which means nobody can get a license for it. So then I said, okay, well, then we'll do Halloween. Once again, they said no, and then my third choice was Nightmare on Elm Street, and they said yes. So I had to go through a few titles to get there. Uh, it was an interesting experience. I've never licensed a movie before, um, so it was my first time. So you definitely have to go with a lot of titles. You have to kind of come prepared. Uh, that is a good point. Um, how is, in your estimation, um, meet and green going? Um, I, I know you want to... Um, wanted it to be, uh, as we talked last time, something that everybody can be a part of. Um, are you are you happy with uh, how it has going as we evolve in this uh, legal cannabis world we now live in? Yeah, I'm very happy with it. I've made I made a bunch of new friends, which was part of the reason I started it. Being newer to Edmonton, I didn't know a lot of people, and I was I'm not much of a drinker. So I, I appreciate cannabis and like wanted to be around other people that appreciated cannabis. So I've met those people. I've developed friendships, which is fantastic. Uh, there have been some hiccups, which is natural. You know, planning events outside this summer was kind of difficult because weather was so predict- unpredictable. Uh, and then, but it's overall been great and I've had a blast doing it. So, I mean, it's, all, it's a labor of love. Um, so I'm enjoying doing it and I'll continue to do them. Oh, good. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, being a part of the event on Monday, October 28th at the Landmark Theatres, City Centre Edmonton. You can pick up your tickets starting this Friday at your local Spirit Leaf location in the Edmonton area. Uh, I'm looking forward to being involved. Uh, who else is involved in this project uh, with Meet and Green with you, Brad? Uh, so we have a gentleman who was actually at the first event uh, that um, sells honey. We have seven acres, spirit leaf, and then we have a florist as well awesome. who, who specializes in creating beautiful pieces that incorporate cannabis leaves. Awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know... Uh, cannabis and horror enthusiasts. Uh, what, what? How can you go wrong? It's a free movie with uh, a whole bunch of cannabis-friendly folks, and there's going to be free swag there uh, from uh, some great uh, people in the cannabis industry. So it sounds like a home run. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to meeting and uh, interviewing other cannabis enthusiasts for my podcast. Brad, thanks as always for joining me and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to get the word out. Tickets available this Friday at your local Spirit Leaf and the event again Monday, October 28th, Landmark Theatres in City Centre. Looking forward to it, Brad. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your soda. <laughs> and beyond. Heavy girl with that, man. Is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> All 
All right, in our uh, cannabis character this week, uh, we are going with a, a guy who was just eliminated in the, the cannabis character cup this week in an upset. He was a number 10 seed and he fell. Uh, it's Ben Stone, played by Seth Rogen in Knocked Up. Hilarious flick. Uh, Seth Rogen and his crew. Um, it's his big movie break. He was in uh, 40 Year Old Virgin, uh, but crushed it as the leading man in this one. And as with most Seth Rogen characters, Ben Stone smokes a lot of weed with his buddies. I love weed. I smoke weed every second of every day. Hey, I am your stoner. (laughs) (laughs) So there's uh, the buddies uh, sitting around, hanging out. Uh, they've got like a, 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 it's got the gas mask. Seth Rogen has the gas mask going on. Um, so they go out and party and they end up in a bar and he meets Catherine Heigl and it's a one night stand. And then Catherine Heigl's character gets knocked up as the title suggests. So they're trying to have a relationship, but weed is constantly coming up. Uh, he's smoking a bong when there's an earthquake and he's pretty much always talking about weed. You know, the best thing for a hangover is weed. Do you smoke, do you smoke weed? Not really. You don't? No. At all? Mm-mm. Like in the morning? No, I just don't. You know, it, it's like, it is like the best medicine. Because <laughs> it fixes everything. Jonah broke his elbow once. We just got high and it still clicks, but I mean, he's okay. Right. All right, so weed is a common theme in this one and and one of the best parts of this movie is that ben and his buddies just hanging around carving each other while smoking joints especially when it comes to their roommate and his beard they make a bet that if he can get if he doesn't cut his hair or shave for a year he'll get rent free for a year um if he loses if he shaves or cuts his hair he's got to pay all five of their rents and he also has to put up with a ton of crap. Hey, Martin, was it weird when you joined the Taliban being American and everything like that? Like, when you see a woman driving a car, do you just get pissed? Just watch your back, Serpico. You never know who your friends are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. You guys can't make fun of me the whole time. Wait, Martin, it's a competition. It's called the Dirty Man Competition. We're going to make fun of you until you shave the beard. That's the rules. That's the whole point. You're supposed to be tempted into shaving. Your face looks like Robin Williams' knuckles. <laughs> you know what is not helping us get laid is the shoe bomber Richard Reed over here at our table. <laughs> How is Burning Man this year? All right. So uh, it's a great movie um, that really introduced most people to Seth Rogen on a big level. He was on a show called Freaks and Geeks. That was pretty good. But I don't think he was that much of a pothead on that show. Almost every character he has, he's a pothead. uh, Except for that uh, superhero movie that he did. You know, it was also good. Seth Rogen was on with Howard Stern last week uh, with Snoop Dogg. It's uh, worth finding and giving a listen. So uh, that is uh, Ben Stone in Knocked Up. And that is our cannabis character today. All right. Happy early anniversary, Or maybe it is the anniversary when you're listening to this. Uh, we want to give you here at the Cannabis 101 podcast an early anniversary present. So if you want to win the Grey Arc uh, Beaker Water Bong, uh, that I talked about on the show, and I tweeted out at the Cannabis 101. You can check out the picture there. All you have to do is tell me what strain I went with to get my groove on at the start of the show. If you have to go back, that's fine. Uh, 
All you have to do to win that bong is send me an email to the Cannabis 101 Podcast inbox. That's Cannabis 101 Podcast at gmail.com. Cannabis 101 Podcast at gmail.com. Simply tell me what strain I was using to get my groove on at the start of the show. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. Another edition of What's That Strain? My good friend Chris Ionson, who is the manager of the off-white location of Nova Cannabis and our educator in studio with me as usual. How's it going, Chris? Really good today, Dean. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for uh, coming out to uh, Podcast Alley and um, for bringing a little uh, white Russian knowledge. Uh, I picked up this uh, sativa-dominant hybrid, uh, white Russian um, earlier today, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this, and not just because I love the dude uh, from the Big Lebowski, uh, but this is a unique LP uh, that we're looking at, uh, Boaz Pharmaceuticals. Uh, tell us a little bit about Boaz Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, Boaz Pharmaceuticals, uh, pretty new LP uh, to the Alberta recreational market here. Um, they are out of Calgary, Alberta, uh, which is kind of neat. They're like grown right in southeast Calgary in, in like a in a facility there. So, uh, kind of different. Uh, a lot of the LPs will grow in like, you know, smaller towns, uh, but right in the heart of Calgary. Um, they've got a 21,000 square foot facility. Uh, so quite a bit smaller than, uh, normal, but, uh, mm-hmm. they're definitely looking for the expansion here in the coming, uh, the coming years. Um, privately owned company too, uh, which is neat. Uh, and a lot of oil and gas, uh, support with this company, obviously being in Calgary, right. Um, all kinds of oil and gas there. And, and the CEO, uh, came from oil and gas and so did their, uh, master grower too. So, um, big oil and gas kind of support with Boaz. Yeah. Former oil and gas employees. Um, a lot of, uh, former, uh, oil and gas investment, uh, in this company as yeah. well. So, um, you know, un- unfortunately, uh, we know um, the oil and gas industry is struggling, and, and it wasn't uh, long ago we were talking about um, the town of Olds being known as uh, for oil and grass, uh, much yeah. more than oil and gas now. So uh, I think that's something, uh, you know, this is a new industry, cannabis, uh, and people from other inter- industries that are looking for something new, um, that that have um, business executive experience, this is a perfect industry to try to break into. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I after looking into them, I, I saw some interviews uh, with the guys from Boaz, and it's exactly how you said they were kind of looking for the next new challenge. Mm. And um, and one guy kind of mentioned uh, how he had dealt with the stigma of he was kind of scared to tell his friends and family, "Hey guys, I'm thinking about getting out of oil and gas and getting into cannabis." And <laughs> he was going to trade shows and stuff, and his friends and family were like, "What do you?" what are you doing going to all these cannabis trade shows? And he kind of, he didn't quite tell him the, the full plan yet because of that stigma. Um, but uh, here he is now, you know, master grower of, uh, wow. of uh, Boaz Pharmaceuticals. That's very cool. And um, they obviously know what they're doing because it is a process to get your license. And uh, for them, it was um, A+. plus. They aced the license process. Yeah, yeah. They got their ACMPR license in record time, uh, uh, 10 months and 22 days, uh, huh. really fast. That's incredible. Yeah. What sets these guys apart? Uh, 
Um, the big thing that makes them different, uh, everything is done by hand. Uh, there's zero automation. Uh, so all their cannabis is hand grown, it's hand watered, it's hand trimmed, and it's handled with care. Four uh, hands. Yeah, the four hands. Yeah. Uh, and also what makes them different too is um, uh, their grow rooms. Uh, they've got uh, for, like 40 foot sea uh, cans. Wow. Uh, kind of stacked side by side. Um, and so these grow rooms are kind of a sterilized environment to help prevent contamination and uh, and keep the environments separate. Right. If something ever did go wrong, you can, you know, lock that down and, and it yeah. doesn't spread through the rest of it. But sea cans are amazing. People build houses out of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and now growing uh, situations, they're, they're, it's it really is uh, kind of the, the perfect uh, space and size to yeah. use it for growing. Yeah, it is. Uh, in the videos that I saw too, they, these are like modded sea cans, yeah. like uh, really modded, uh, super cool. I, I'd recommend checking it out on their website. Yeah, 40 foot sea cans, uh, great at preventing uh, contamination as uh, as you mentioned. Um, all right, so uh, right now uh, they have White Russian, uh, which we are uh, going to be uh, speaking about and and telling you about tonight uh, what else do they have and what do they have on the horizon yeah so they've also got a cbd skunk haze uh, that's on the market here uh, just those two right now on the rec side um, but they are saying that coming soon they're going to be doing a night queen um, a blueberry an ultimate the ultimate i'm curious about they they call it very high thc hmm. <laughs> so it sounds like a big party um they're also doing a charlotte's angel and uh, and a compassion strain both are cbd strains oh very very cool and uh, you mentioned they're mostly on the medicinal side and just getting into the uh, rec side high thc by the way i was listening to uh, snoop dog and Seth Rogen, they were both on the Howard Stern show this week out West. And, um, one of the guys in the Howard Stern show wanted to get high for the first time. So they brought Snoop and Seth Rogen in to guide him. It was a really <laughs> funny segment, but I don't know if this is true or not. Snoop said he grows his own weed and it has 55% THC. Now I don't think he's talking about the LBS, uh, that you can get <laughs> on uh, store shelves. Uh, oh. I don't know. And you know. I think Snoop has an occasion to exaggerate every once in a while, yeah. but I don't even know if that's possible. Fifty-five percent yeah. THC. I've never even heard of that. So anyway, that's really high, crazy. All right, uh, let's talk about the history of uh, of White Russian. Uh, where where is this coming from? Yeah, so the lineage of uh, White Russian is uh, is a cross of White Widow, uh, sativa dominant hybrid, and uh, crossed with AK forty seven, another sativa dominant hybrid. All right. Yeah, and so I think that kind of plays into the name there, White Russian, uh, White Widow, and uh, the AK-47 is the famous Russian uh, automatic uh, <laughs> weapon there, yeah. the AK-47. And the dude, uh, there's got to be something in there with the, uh, I, the dude I hope so. and, and White Russians. Yeah. Um, when uh, um, And those are both uh, fairly uh, uh, sativa-dominant uh, hybrids. When was this created? Uh, when did we first, first start seeing this? Yeah, it first came around in like the early 1990s. Uh, it was originally created by the Dutch uh, seed bank, uh, Sirius Seeds, mm -hmm. um, and it won the best overall at the 1996 uh, Cannabis Cup. And at one point, it was said to be the strongest strain of cannabis in the world, which I loved reading that. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Now, this is back in the 90s, right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, THC levels, especially if Snoop's uh, telling the truth, have really gone up. But uh, man, uh, to be able to say that uh, you had uh, at one point 
I guess unofficially the strongest wheat, just that alone. Yeah. As the, it, it, whether it's true or not, that reputation that went along with it really must have pushed this uh, for a lot of people. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't really too heavy on the cannabis scene back back right. then. Yeah, me neither. Um, but uh, yeah, I bet it would be cool to be a part of that ride. Strongest in the world. Uh, yeah. You could check out more information at www.boazfarm.com. They've got some really cool things on there from some of the videos uh, that you were mentioning uh, but there's also things you can click on and see some of the pictures of how they how they do it there how they use their clones how they use their mother plants their their um, their harvesting process really some good information um from a you know a small company this isn't a company that i think has you know, a massive amount of employees and, and, you know, the biggest marketing staff ever, they're doing a bang up job uh, with this website as a small company. That's cool to see, isn't it? Yeah, that's very well said, Dean. Uh, that, that, that was my take on the website too. Um, they cover all the bases. Yeah. They sh- they've got all the information you need. Uh, everything's smooth, user-friendly. Yeah. They've got um, their story. Yeah. And, and the, the photos that are on there too are, are great, great images, uh, really kind of gives you the, the feel of, of the facility. Uh, I also like to, when you, when you're meeting their team, um, uh, their CEO, uh, David, uh, his, his title is CEO and part-time floor, yeah. mop, floor mopper. So a little, little bit of humor there. Uh, I enjoy that. Yeah. It, uh, it, it's very cool. Um, also we, we should, uh, uh, point out that, uh, you know, Boaz, as they mention on their website, uh, comes from, uh, uh, an ancient word, I believe in Hebrew that means strength. Uh, so, uh, if you're wondering what Boaz is, it's an ancient word and, uh, that, that's something that they pride themselves on, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It is for sure. Um, just with the, the, the core values of their company, that's kind of where, where they started from. Uh, and that's kind of where they want to, they want to be there with the, yeah. the strong company in the, in the cannabis industry. Pretty good place to start. Uh, so check it out. Boazfarm.com. Uh, what are we looking at for THC and CBD levels, uh, with the batch that I have today? Yeah. So the batch we got, uh, 13.14 on the THC. So kind of mid range mm-hmm. there, uh, and, uh, 0.02 on the CBD. Okay. So this is, um, um, maybe something that you want to graduate to if you're if you're new to the cannabis industry uh, or the cannabis uh, use rather um this is something that you maybe want to graduate to uh, after you get used to something and if, if, if you've had some experience uh, this is something you can go to uh, right now probably yeah is perfect. that a good good advice yeah i don't think that it's a good strain for beginners right. um i think the fact that it being uh, kind of the sativa mm-hmm. um I think if you're going to start, you're going to want a lower THC, yeah. uh, definitely on the sativa. Uh, but yeah, if you've, you know, if you smoked here and there, um, I think you'll be just fine. Like, uh, mm. um, or if you are a beginner, you can put this on your list of strains to step to once you get comfortable with it. This would be a good next strain. Yeah, I like that. That's All right. Good. Um, when we talk about the name, we mentioned the lineage uh, of of uh, the AK forty seven and the white from White Widow, and um, let's please hope that there has something to do with the dude, um, because we're going to be smoking uh, white Russians. And uh, when we do that, we take a look at this, and, and first of all, I think, Chris, the one thing we should look at is interesting packaging, a little bit different. I, it's rounded at the top, and, um, you know, bravo for, for sticking out in a world where it's really hard to stick out with all the regulations. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It kind of looks like a little bullet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's pretty slick. Um, and definitely no one else has packaging like that yeah. on the market. A lot of times you'll see kind of very similar. Uh, even sometimes, you know, it looks like two different LPs have bought the same packaging. Mm -hmm. And not excessive. Uh, this, uh, this one I got is uh, three and a half grams. Uh, and it's not oversized for three and a half grams. It's uh, it's pr it's pretty much the perfect size. A little bit of room to breathe, and mm -hmm. there you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So then, when we open it up, what are we looking at? Uh, because I love uh, I got a magnifying glass with a light on it now. So uh, nice. we 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 took a look at this before. It makes a big difference when you when you can throw um, uh, some light on your uh, your cannabis and really get a, a deep look at it. So what happened? What did you see when we did that? Uh, trichome coverage like <laughs> all over uh and it was actually like trichome palooza yeah and it was like good size trichomes yeah, too really which, dense uh without the magnifying glass you can't really see no and then once you get zoomed right in there it was you like appreciate it right? yeah and it was just covered uh so that was really nice to see definitely uh with the, with the looks of this bud too um uh it was hand trimmed mm -hmm. so uh with it and, and i get you know like there's just someone trimming this, but uh, maybe it could have been a little bit trimmed a little bit better. There's a couple like stems and uh, some leaves mm -hmm. that, uh, but I mean, it still had some trichomes on there, but. There's still lots of them and, and maybe that's the um, the trade. And like I said, it wasn't terrible, but uh, automation uh, is a little bit. Now th there's uh, something to be appreciated with handcrafted and, and hand yeah. trimming. Yeah, absolutely. It's craft cannabis. Yeah, so. it is. Uh, and the look of it, uh, kind of like a, a camo green. Yeah, yeah, camo green's a good way to describe it, uh, and dark orange pistols. Um, yeah, um, just the, the trichome coverage, like I'm just looking at it right now even, and it's just the sheen yeah. uh, from the light. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, it's definitely worth, uh, I, I highly recommend when you uh, pick up your cannabis, bring it home, throw it under a light, see it, appreciate, uh, especially if, if there is that good coverage of uh of that so that's the look uh the terpene profile when we're looking at uh, white russian what are we looking at yeah so uh myrcene is our dominant terpene there and that's kind of the smell and taste of cloves mm -hmm. and, and hops uh uh guayal is uh is the number two there and that's kind of a bit more of a rare one uh but the kind of the smell and fragrance of it is like is kind of pine and mm -hmm. woodsy so similar to pining uh and then uh, limonene is the third one Okay, so myrcene a lot of the times is associated with uh, indicas, right? Yeah, couch uh, do, lock. do people uh, <laughs> couch lock, and and this is a sativa dominant. Uh, so it goes to show you that uh, you know it's not just one size fits all with yeah. terpenes, right? Sometimes uh, combined with something else, they will have a bit of a different path. Yeah, yeah. There's not like one specific way it's going to go. It's, uh, it's so many factors play into yeah. it. Yeah, you you don't look at it and say, oh, that's mercy. I'm going to fall asleep now. And uh, you know, sometimes it, it and and just like every person is different. We all have our own, as we talked about in yeah. the past, endocannabinoid system, and we all react differently. You and I could share a joint of uh, white Russian and totally feel differently. Yeah. So yeah. we should uh, we should point that out, uh, and terpenes make up the entourage effect. Can you take us through that really quickly? Yeah, for sure. So the entourage effect is kind of uh, the combination of your THC content, your CBD content, and your terpenes. Those three uh, things kind of all mixed together will give you the entourage effect. Um, and like with that, we you know depending on which terpenes are in there, 
um, certain terpenes are going to kind of be a little uplifting mm. or a little relaxing or some terpenes will give you the munchies or, uh, you know, it's a, a number of things. And, and like you said, everybody's different. Yeah. Here's, here's something I read. I wish I could give credit to the person who put this out, but, uh, I can't remember. So I apologize, but, uh, it was basically choosing your cannabis by the THC percentage is akin to buying wine based on the alcohol percentage. And isn't that uh, something? Because yeah. we've talked about a lot on this show and in this segment that it's the entourage effect. Don't just, you know, people come in, I'm sure, to your store and whatever your highest THC is. And listen, I was guilty of that before I started talking to you. Yeah. Um, I, I and, and, But it's just wrong. You, you don't, you shouldn't be judging. Um, you wouldn't do that with a bottle of wine. Yeah, no, unless you're a hard alcoholic. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you're not even enjoying the taste or whatever. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. you don't get people going into the, the liquor store saying, hey, give me your... It's your highest alcohol. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But yeah. you get that, I'd imagine, a lot in the uh, cannabis industry. I feel like I get it every day. Um, yeah. That's just kind of uh, where where the cannabis uh, culture is right now. People uh, have the misconception mm -hmm. that, you know... All about THC, and it's right. it's really not. It's a it's about that entourage effect, and and that's going to change as we go along, right? The uh, you know how people refer to cannabis is is evolving, just like the industry is evolving, right? Like you know you come out and you have the simplest, most general terms of sativa indica hybrid, um, but as we continue, it's going to get more sophisticated, and the benefit will be for the consumer because there'll be more information. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I could see it within like a you know a couple of years, uh, people coming into a recreational cannabis store and saying like, uh, "I'm looking for something high in myrcene and right. something high in limonene," uh, you know, kind of a daytime nighttime thing. Um, worth noting the the Leafly website now they've they've done yes. a changeover uh, where they're not categorizing by you know the cultivars, the indicas aren't purple and the hybrids the colors, aren't green yeah, and yeah. the sativas aren't orange anymore. Uh, now they're basing it off kind of like a, a shape system and, and a color system. So with the shapes, they've got kind of uh, diamonds for THC mm -hmm. and circles for CBD, uh, and then the colors kind of factor into the terpenes. It's going to take me a while to get used to that uh, new system, yeah. but um, it, that's a, a pretty go, pretty good go-to website. They seem to um, have it all figured out and, and a new look. All right, so that's the terpenes. Uh, when we look at the desired effect, um, what are we expecting in general, as we mentioned, uh, when we fire up a little White Russian? Yeah, so uh, an intense, euphoric, uh, cerebral head high. Uh, that's definitely this is going to come on pretty quick. Um, not a lot of body effects though with the white Russian, um, it's mainly a sativa dominant hybrid. So yeah, um, last couple of times that I've smoked it, a uh, lot of laughs, uh, giggled a lot with, uh, with my pals and, uh, everybody got the munchies. We kind of, we broke into some snacks pretty hard there. Um, and with the strain too, I find it's a, not a bad strain to be productive on. So if you, uh, want to get some stuff done during the day, um, it does keep you pretty pretty active and focused. Maybe a good wake and bake and yeah. mid afternoon strain kind yeah. of thing. You know, either you wake and bake, get your day going, or um, your you know afternoon. Okay, I got to get uh, the house clean. I get the the leaves uh, the leaves raked as uh, we're getting into fall. Something that will kind of jumpstart and uh, help get your day going with with a little bit of a a boost and a, a nice euphoric head high. 
Yeah, yeah. And then uh, while you're smoking the White Russian, maybe make yourself a White Russian. There you go. Yeah. Really, uh, really be one with the dude. Yeah. Right? Like you, <laughs> you really, um, you really want to uh, just uh, be one with the dude. Um, I, I love the dude. He is uh, literally, literally one of the best characters of all time. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... Uh, your opinion, man. That is my opinion. I think it's all of our opinions that the uh, the dude is uh, one of the best. All the rest of the drops I have are just Walter getting really mad at uh, Smokey <laughs> for uh, going over the line. So we don't want to. We don't want to. Uh, although, although this is one of my favorites. This is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. There are rules, right? There are rules. Um, okay, so that's the desired effect. Um, I, I noticed when we open this up and smell it. You get a, a bit of a, a fruity taste, not so much in the uh, when you consume it, but uh, definitely when you smell it. Um, yeah, a bit of a different taste when you uh, when you consume it. You get a bit some different undertones. What do you, what do you get when you when you fire this up? Um, yeah, well, so when I fire it up, um, the, the the taste that I that I get uh, smooth and spicy um, with undertones of skunk and earth, mm -hmm. and and. My take on the smell is is kind of fruity mm -hmm. and, and skunky. Um, the initial smell, and then uh, just hints of like pine yeah. and, and earth with it. But I don't get that taste too much. That sweet yeah. taste of it. Uh, yeah, it's a, kind of as a much. difference. It's, it's, yeah, it's a very. Uh, I think kind of like earthy. I think you would describe it like a, mm -hmm. like I don't know. It, it tastes very earthy. Yeah, a very uh, dirty dirt, whatever it might be, kind of grass. Uh, Sort of thing, but nice, but very, as, as you mentioned, very, very smooth, uh, spicy undertones. Uh, very nice. Yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm liking the white Russian, uh, so far. And you know what else I'm liking is year one of, uh, legalization. Here we are, uh, as we, uh, put this podcast out one day away from the anniversary in Canada. Um, what, what do you, when you, when you think back to year one, you know, what do you think about, uh, over almost the last 365 days of, is it a blur for you when you look back on it? Does it seem like the time has gone really fast? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, at the same time, it feels like it's been five years too. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's been so much work, so right? Much, yeah. So much going on, so many changes, so many things to adapt to. Um, but man, like. It's like best year of my life, man. Yeah. Like I, I have loved it. It's been such a fun industry to be a part of. Um, I remember for October 17th, uh, 2018, uh, I was in Calgary, uh, to help open up one of, there was only two recreational cannabis stores in Calgary. And one of them was Inova, the one in Willow park there. And, um, we had about 10 different media outlets, uh, filming that, that day <laughs> one and lineups, uh, just line up all the way around the corner. We ended up, uh, uh, cordoning off a few parking stalls and making kind of like a, a serpentine line nice. in some parking stalls. Uh, but we were lined up around the corner for the first couple of days. And, um, I found myself like going out, uh, at like 9 PM, like an hour before we were closing, uh, I would uh, do a head count of the lineup and have to tell people, hey, anyone behind yeah. Buddy in the Red Hat, you might not get in tonight. And Because we have come, to close, yeah. Yeah, we have to close. We can't just stay open here. Uh, wish we could serve everyone and, and would see those people in line the next day. Uh, a lot of buzz. Um, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. I remember um, being in St. Albert here, there was only one store open. Uh, there was only one. Now, now we have uh, three or four. 
Um, but it was just fire and flower. And every day we would drove, drive by, um, not that we were wanting to go in. We just wanted to look at the lineup because yeah. the lineup was long every day. Like for the first week, it would have been the same for you guys as well. Um, and then that was the great buzz. That was, yeah. that was awesome. Everybody was excited. Unfortunately, there were hiccups though. And you would know the firsthand that what sort of things... Uh, speed bumps, roadblocks, hiccups, whatever problems, um, did you guys run into? Yeah, for sure. The, I mean, supply shortages, that yeah. was a big one. Uh, like right away too, right? Right away. Like within couple, the couple first week, in. like in yeah. the first week, there were stores that are saying we're sold out. Like some of the, some of the smaller, more independent stores. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was rough and, and only getting a, a delivery once a week too, kind of makes it rough too. Um, store opening delays. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, with the Nova's, uh, we had big plans to have a bunch of stores up and, mm -hmm. uh, boom supply shortage. And then it was like, uh, the agency kind of put a pause on a mor moratorium on the licenses. We had to, right. we had to wait until more supply kind of built up in the warehouse and Ontario and BC faced similar, uh, uh, store shortages. Like the Okanagan didn't have a store for a long time. Yeah, it was weird that BC was yeah. so far behind compared to Alberta. Um, there was also the online delivery delays. Mm -hmm. um, I heard about some instances where the the OCS, the Ontario Cannabis Store, um, they were saying, you know, one to three days for delivery and people were getting their cannabis in, in over a week. Right. Um, that was kind of bunk. You know, the, uh, the one thing, um, that I think is going to, well, there's a lot of things that are going to get better and, and listen, a lot of it already has yeah. been, been better. Like there isn't a, you're not seeing a supply shortage anymore, yeah. right? No, you know, not and at all right so now. we've got, we, we've really, as an industry in our country, really smoothed through a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, there are some of the really big giants that are struggling to meet investors targets. I think this is a long game. I do not believe, you know, listen, I don't want to get political, but you'd have to be the dumbest political party ever to come in and say, we're, we're criminalizing marijuana again. And, yeah. you know, we're going to, you'd have a riot on your uh, hands in, in this country because it would be ridiculous. Um, so I think that there are people that are uh, unsure. This industry is going to grow. This industry is going to become a giant. You just got to find the right companies that you think are going to still be standing when the other ones fall and invest in them. But it has been a struggle. Nobody is getting, um, you know, the, the, it's not the golden goose yet. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I keep seeing in the media, a lot of like stocks are down mm -hmm. and a lot of people are selling. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, not a bad idea to, you know, play the patient game there. Uh, a lot of these companies uh, come phase two of legalization, um, they're just going to be, be killing it. Uh, yeah. edibles, beverages, those vape, uh, pens. And I think cartridges. the stock's going to go right up. Uh, they're going to, we're going to see a surge when season two starts. This mm -hmm. is going to be a lot of, uh, excitement mm -hmm. and then, then we'll see what happens. So I think now is the time, uh, to get into it. I, I would not invest in CanTrust if I was uh, investing, they had a, they had a year to forget. Yeah, I actually saw an article uh, today that they had to destroy uh, seventy-seven million dollars worth of cannabis. Wow! Yeah, twelve million in plants and uh, sixty-five in packaged stuff that yeah. they've already sold and um, that that got returned. So, uh, yeah, they kind of they got in a little bit of trouble there. Um, they were made an example of. Mm -hmm. uh, they were growing in five rooms that weren't uh, Health Canada approved, and uh, someone blew the whistle on them. So. Unfortunate for them, but um, but they are doing everything they can to now, actually yeah. to get their compliance back. That's right. Um, so 
might see them come back around. Maybe I probably under a different name, I'd assume. <laughs> uh, but they are, you know, trying to to make it right and make it work. So good on them for that. One of the other big stories was uh, Bruce Linton. Um, yeah. You know, no longer at Canopy Growth. Um, you know, a guy that was instrumental in that company and then was shown the door. Yeah, yeah, Frick. that was. Uh, it's kind of sad to see because. Uh, yeah, every every kind of canopy thing that I looked into, uh, he was their their front mm. man, uh, and I felt like he led that company with passion and and he cared, you know. Um, but you know, he's got investors to report to, uh, and ultimately, like if they're not happy, I mean, that's uh, mm. that's his job is to make his investors happy. So uh, I'm sure he'll be on to to bigger and better things. Though um, that guy will land on his feet for mm. sure. Uh, you are obviously the uh, manager of the off-white location at Nova Cannabis. Um, I'm sure there are other cannabis stores in your area that you are, um, you know, competing with in a way. Mm -hmm. But really, uh, when we look at it, um, the black market remains the biggest competitor for retailers like you. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, definitely. Um, and as you see in the United States... Sometimes when you go to the black market, there are severe consequences. When you go to a retail store, you know it's past Health Canada restrictions and a process, and you know exactly what you're getting. You know, unless you grow it yourself, which you would be, wouldn't be the black market because you can grow it at home. Yeah. Um, you know, you really have to pay attention to what you're getting. And that's what the, uh, the legalization gives you. It's what the black market doesn't give you. Yeah, yeah. There's been so many times in the black market where I would just get a bag of grass from from my guy, and uh, you know, it'd be a heavy indica, and we'd smoke it at a barbecue, and everyone that smoked it with me was mm -hmm. taking a power nap in the middle of the day. Um, I also didn't like the idea of like um, actually today I had a, I had a group of uh, kind of uh, new uh, consumers to cannabis. Some some people from the Rotary Club came in, and I, I gave, solid. Yeah, and I gave them a, a little talk and a little education on cannabis, and uh, we we touched on. Uh, um, you know, consuming um, too high of a cannabis uh, for for a new consumer, and then you know, leading down the ba bad route of a bad experience, and, and then you don't want to do it again. Yeah, uh, I feel like that that happens a lot in the black market, where someone who you know got a super high THC strain from their from their the guy on the street there, um, and it wasn't what they were ready for, and not not an ideal scenario for them, and then boom, they're off cannabis. Um, and anytime you talk to them about it, Oh, I don't, I don't do that. Like, this mm -hmm. is what happened to me. And it's, that's what happened. You off that one strain, um, you know, please keep in mind, there's, there's other strains with, you know, lower THC, higher CBD that, um, can still help out and ha allow you to have fun. Uh, mm -hmm. And, 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 and do a lot of good things, uh, for that person and, and their life. Uh, I really, I'm glad to hear uh, that you had uh, a group in like that, because that makes me encouraged about, um, you know, the older generation embracing cannabis, Yeah, you know, so that makes me it was cool to uh, see. really, really uh, excited. And you know what, I, I can tell you that uh, there have been friends of mine that have uh, received uh, black market edibles and have had a really bad experience because you have no idea. Yeah. When season two comes around, you'll know exactly what you're getting. And speaking of that, um, tomorrow is the anniversary, October 17th. Yeah. And that's when companies can start submitting to Health Canada, can't they? 
Yeah, for for phase two, that's for right. Edibles, yeah. Uh, so yeah, as of uh, tomorrow, uh, um, LPs can submit their like edible ideas, their packaging. Like I think it's going to be like the full setup, uh, submitted to Health Canada, and they're going to be testing it out and and approving them. And we're looking at probably sixty to ninety days after that of in until they're in store. So you're thinking mid December to early January. Hopefully, yeah, that's that's what we're hoping for. Um, but uh, you know, I can't I can't guarantee sure. that. Uh, but um, that would be ideal. I think uh, I think December. I'd love to see some edibles oh. for Christmas and stocking stuffers and you know. I think that would be great. Under the tree, cannabis product. Well, there would have been some last year, obviously, but uh, now edibles. Yeah, under or, the or, tree, or like an advent calendar with like THC chocolate. Oh my goodness. Cause like I know we uh, let's I wanted, get on that. I wanted to see someone do an advent calendar with like pre rolls, you know, and that's a good idea. Like Twenty four dubs of Christmas, and on the you know, the twenty fifth, it's a big giant fatty or like a, a Led Zeppelin joint from Cheech and Chong or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah, that would be the sweet. Gatlin gun. Maybe you get the Gatlin gun going or something like that. Yeah. All right, uh, this has been fun. Uh, White Russian is a sativa dominant uh, strain from Boaz pharmaceuticals a, a calgary company handcrafted really really cool stuff check them out at boazfarm.com chris this has been great happy anniversary tomorrow yeah thanks so much dean it's been great and that is going to put a wrap on this show couple of things to remember if you want to win that grav arc beaker water bong email me to cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com that's Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. Tell me what I was using to get my groove on, what strain I went with at the start of the show. Spelling is not important. Don't worry about that. And if you want to watch us, uh, watch uh, Nightmare on Elm Street with us on October 28th at Landmark Theatres in City Centre, it's a free show. Make sure you get to your local Spirit Leaf and pick up your free tickets to hang out with us. I'll be there with the Cannabis 101 podcast. Uh, looking forward to that. It is going to be a sensational night, uh, courtesy of uh, Brad Ward and Meat and Green. A big thanks to Greg Trena from Velvet Management who joined me on the show today and gave us an inside look at what that part of the cannabis industry is. And uh, if you're in the cannabis industry, maybe it's something you want to look at. If uh, uh, as far as a, a career for yourself, or if you're in the cannabis industry and you're looking for some help getting the word out about your uh, product or your uh, store or whatever it might be, uh, definitely worth checking out Velvet Management Inc. And that was a big thanks to Greg Trena. So thanks to Greg, thanks to Chris Ionson, and thanks to Brad Ward. And mostly thanks to you for listening uh, to the Cannabis 101 podcast, episode 20. Have yourself a wonderful week. We'll talk to you in seven days. Happy anniversary! And remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. See you later. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Mm-hmm.